everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey CJ Wesley. Big shout out to our sponsor, Bootstrap by DotWalk.io. Bootstrap is an application that radically improves your time to value on ServiceNow ATF. It does this by using AI to interrogate your system and populate your ATF use cases for you. This is awesome because it's using the framework that ServiceNow has in place. No new competing tech, and you can still capitalize on all the improvements ServiceNow is bound to make to the ATF in the future. For my money, it's one of the most valuable AI use cases on the platform. Absolutely agree. And we also want to send send out a big thank you to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in and sharing our content wherever you do. Makes the podcast worth doing. We also want to encourage you to like and rate our podcast wherever you get your podcast. It helps our visibility, introduces the show to new people. Duke, what's the topic of the day? Today, we are zooming in on an architectural concept I like to call catalysts. And a catalyst is where the work starts. And I think the reason why it's so important to sit back and really think about catalysts is that, well, think about it this way. We have significant amounts of technology that we've already invested in to do detection, right? Our event management systems, all different parts of our our infrastructure can tell us when something is going wrong. Now, most customers use ServiceNow for ITSM. And what would you say most focus is given to on an ITSM implementation in terms of input, in terms of catalyst? That's always the incident, right? That is always the phone call. Yeah, the phone call or service catalog. It's that idea that a human being is going to tell us when to do the work. Absolutely. Or or when work exists. That's like 90% of an implementation. But we do have these giant refined pieces of infrastructure that allow us to think about work start and stop in different ways. So we're going to dedicate this episode to really opening up the variety of catalysts that we can analyze to make the platform automate the start of work, which is half the work. Yeah, absolutely. I like to think about this as digging through the graveyard of your enterprise and finding out where you can find value. That's what your catalyst is. It's a bunch of inputs to work, so to speak, and we're about to talk about them. And so when you think about it, and this is why it matters so much to me, a catalyst starts, and it can be anything, but it starts at a very rudimentary very basic level, right? It's a a manual entry of sorts. It is a representative typing into a form. It is someone entering information into a request item. It is really just, we're going to fill out all of the fields. We're going to hit submit, right? So that's where we start. And then let's take that a step further though, right? Like let's talk about how we can really show value here just at the start of this process, right? So let's go to you know, simplify manual entry. Well, that means that we've, we're already guessing bits and pieces of what this process is going to look like, right? So that's the, um, that's the incident that is almost kind of prompting you for the next stage. You put in a service, right? It's automatically going to filter out some of the CIs. It's automatically going to add folks to assignment groups and, show, and add fo- folks to watch lists, right? We're going to We're going to start to put a little bit of light automation in there and take some of that cognitive load back from the technician, from the um, from your end user, put it into the system where it belongs, because we know what this is already. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to take it all the way to the logical extreme, right? Fully automate everything. Yeah. And this is where honestly where I like to go. 
right? I love like the, the ability to actually have things happen without anyone else thinking about them. So you, you and your architects, your developers, your BA, your uh, business stakeholders, we're all going to sit down. We're going to talk about this process. We're going to know how it, how it gets cost. We're going to know where it's supposed to end. We're going to know all about that stuff in the middle too, right? And we're going to take all that. We're going to compress it down. We're going to put it into a, a fully automated process. We're going to turn it on. And then nobody needs to know about that again until it messes up. And then finally, the the uh, what I call like the thing that we're all expiring to, right? It's just eliminating the process altogether. We've done it so many times. We know how it works so many times that we can got, actually go all the way back to the catalyst and say we can eliminate this from happening at all. And we can take this catalyst that's been existing in our enterprise for so long. We're going to take it. We're going to throw it out the window. We no longer need to worry about that because we fixed the thing that caused the catalyst that caused all the other work. What do you think about that, Duke? I fully agree with you. I have another like alternative scenario to consider too there because it might like it might not be a catalyst that's bad. It could just be a catalyst that is. So imagine you've got this service and it's for anybody of an appropriate level in the org. You get like the manager reporting interface or something like this. Yeah. Right. And so. At the most primitive level, the catalyst is, hey, Mr. Manager, log into our service portal, open up this service form and fill out a bunch of stuff about you so that we can provision it for you. So we ask what part of the organization they're in. We ask them for their phone number. We ask them for their title and then we can provision, right? But don't we don't we know all that already? Well, yeah, but that would be that would be maturity level two where we simplify the entry. Right. Where it's like, okay, I know your title. I know what division you're in. I'm not going to ask you stuff that I should already know. To some extent, it could be coming in and press the get me one of these buttons. Right. Right. And then, okay, now we can go provision. The third level of maturity would be I press the get one of these button and then we don't have to go and provision. A system provisions that for us. Right. And then closing the gap to the elimination of need would be, oh, we see you've been promoted to manager. You don't have to press the get me one of these buttons. It goes and does. Hmm. So it's it, it's it's not just like an incident detection, reconciliation, closure. It could also be like a request as a catalyst, but you can get to the elimination of the need for the request as well. Man, I, I like this. I like this <laughs> elimination of need part, especially, right? I, I like the thought that just by getting promoted uh, on the back end, my personas change mm -hmm. and then something kicks off and knows that because my persona changed, that thing, that uh, nice Lenovo I had, that was great. We're going to see your MacBook Pro now, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and somebody's going to show up, right, with a briefcase and, and you know, white gloves and they're going to come in and they're going to, they're going to sit down. They're going to take my Lenovo. They're going to plug in, a, plug something into my MacBook. They're going to just move all the data over and they're going to walk right. out, right? Without saying a word. Like, that's what I, I, I want. I want that experience. That's where I think we need to be. And I honestly, I think it's all capable. It's all possible in service now. So I just look in, just look at the real world too. Like I, I imagine our kids or our kids' kids aren't going to understand the concept of an ATM because it's like, so we, because we're going to have money on the street. Well, the catalyst is, hey, I need money, right? And then <laughs> it, it's it, it's the form-based workflow is come to the machine, provide card, provide PIN, provide amount, right? right? And, and the bank's taking care of all the automation, so we're not like going up to a teller to ask them, and then they go back into the vault and take the cash out. It's more like the elimination of need is I'm going to pop my phone in front of that scanner, and I don't need the cash with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I, I just right, so my, just just I, move I, something around. Yeah. yeah, I just need my mark of the beast chip, and I just. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I feel you. I kind of like my idea better of just money laying in the street. But I mean, if we can't have that, <laughs> then I, you know, I, I can definitely see that. You know, honestly, I try to avoid the ATM as much as possible now. And I think I, I largely live a, a, a pretty cashless existence. But taking it to this step, I think it's even better. And I think you might be right. You know, I think my kids, by the time they're at the age where, you know, I would have typically gotten my first ATM card, 18-ish, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that's a lot younger now. Maybe they don't ever get a card. Maybe it's just an app on the phone. So this is just the mindset we encourage you to take when you're doing any kind of process builds out in ServiceNow. Think about what starts the work. And in a second here, we're actually going to start talking about different types of catalysts. But what starts the work and what properties do you need? And then where does it go? Like it goes into the workflow. But you should always have your eyes on how do I get to the elimination of need? And you can never get to that elimination of need part until you fully understand the catalysts that you're dealing with. Totally right. agree. Totally so agree. it's just remember this maturity model. The most primitive is manual entry, then simplified manual entry, then automated entry, then elimination of need in total. Perfect. And, and yeah, and I think that makes sense. And honestly, we, if you start to think about that maturity uh, model as a value model, mm -hmm. you also see how that kind of maps to you returning value to the business over the course of moving the business through this maturity model as well. Right. I mean... Just like in ServiceNow Paris, they got the catalog builder, right? Why? Because businesses want to figure out how to get more services into the catalog on ServiceNow. But imagine being the, the person that goes back to the business and say, we can get all of this stuff out of the catalog so we don't even need to have a human being initiate the work. Right. How is that for value? <laughs> Man, like that's the value pinnacle right there. That's like it. You know, anytime I can take, you know, something that is requiring a human and make it not require a human so humans can do things better that they're good at. Mm -hmm. That's the holy grail. Just think about what's everybody's favorite thing to put in their service catalog, right? Is the generic service request. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just, everything just goes in and just sit back for a second and inundate yourself in how much manual labor goes on behind the scenes of that. Every single one of those probably spends an hour each just figuring out where does this go? <laughs> Right. You know? Um, but before that, what the hell are they even asking for? Right. And this is, I mean, we could talk a lot about the mechanics of how service catalog works and whatnot. And I hope universal request starts chipping away at the problem. But you've built the generic request. It's already locked into a workflow. What if they put a new hire into a generic service request? Ooh. Now it's like, now the flow don't even work. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that's... Another good reason to think about catalysts. You can't just shove people in front of the generic service request to expect that work flows because right. it won't flow. It'll just, it'll it just, just lands right in out. one big gelatinous blob on somebody's desk and they're trying to, anyways, it's, think it's about the catalyst. How does a new hire request start? How should it start? How do the people who put in the new request think about how it should start? Don't just assume, oh, I just need a form and blah, blah, blah. So with that, I think we'll go into the types of catalysts. And I'll start things off with something we've already been talking about is customer manual entry. I'd say 90% of what we do on phase one implementations is how do people get to the incident form? How do people get to the service catalog requests? How do we facilitate phone calls to do incident stuff? So there is a customer who is doing some kind of manual entry. An external force tells us work must be done. And they can do this via the phone. They could do it via the service catalog. They could do it via virtual agent, or they could do it via email. 
Right. But there, it's, it's all the same catalyst. Customer initiates work. Absolutely. Of any type. Yeah, it's just it's a person out there needs something done. You know, they come to the system of getting things done to get something done. And and they use the inputs that are available to them, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it could be a chatbot, like you said, it could be phone, could be the catalog, whatever, right? Like it's all of those different things and it's all manual entry and it's all putting the, the labor on the customer to ease the labor on the technicians, right? Because ideally the technicians are doing multiple of these things. And so if you can take some of that away from the technician to actually facilitate the request, the technician should be able to facilitate more requests quicker. That's the idea behind this whole thing is that you're going to put more labor on the individual so you can put less labor on the group and you can actually get better turnaround on these things because it scales better. It is something as as old as time, right? I feel like back in the caveman days, like there were requests going around and maybe they didn't have phone, voicemail, email, but you know, there somebody walked up to somebody and said, I'm hungry. <laughs> and that sets off a request, right? And well, what I want people to think about is this is the first catalyst that we're talking about. We're going to talk about a lot more. So be open to the idea that maybe customer manual entry is not the best way to initiate some process. Agreed. Be open to the fact that yeah. this is probably like the bottom of the uh, catalyst tree, right? Like, and as you go further up the catalyst tree, you probably start to return more value. The next one that I'd probably start talking about, right, are detectable system events. And, and that's just a fancy way of saying things like alerting, things like monitoring, things like events kicking off in your instance and in other parts of your enterprise. Actually, email even slides into this detectable system event catalyst because some of these events will kick off an email and that then that email might show up right inside of your instance in some way. You know, when you when you get to the point of you have a kind of it's kind of like the Internet of Things, right, where you have things causing work. Right. And, and that's all that's always happened. But now we're able to properly catalog that and we're seeing those things for what they are. Right. Like drivers of work. Yeah, it still baffles me. And if I was more attuned to the ITOM world, I would be out there crusading about this every day. It seems criminal almost how few times like an event management system is integrated in with ServiceNow's event management. You yeah, know what you, I mean? like there's so much stuff that our infrastructure is telling us about itself <laughs> that we should be building like the run books and stuff for instant remediation and, and just popping off workflows for what happens on these events. Pop off the workflow, track the work. But I feel like there's still a huge scale of invisible work that happens when the event management system, the infrastructure isn't connected with ServiceNow when it comes to event management. Dude, dude, dude. Like this is my <laughs> this is my jam right here, right? Like I've got an IT background, right? I, I just, I've spent even still more, more time in IT than I have in the ServiceNow ecosystem. And, you know, one of the things that I did before I crossed over and before I became like a ServiceNow uh, consultant full time, one of the things I did was ran a network monitoring solution, right? And one of the things that we were always chasing and was and that was always our holy grail was the event management tie-in between whatever we had deployed out in the enterprise and ServiceNow. And let me tell you, the tools were primitive then. This is we're talking, wow, almost 10 years ago. <laughs> the tools were primitive then. They're a lot better now, right? Like their plugins exist now for practically everything a lot to um tie these systems together with ServiceNow. And what you get out of it, like the value returned is off the freaking chart. Let mm -hmm. me tell you, like when you can consolidate all of these event skin thrown off and say switches down instead of 7,000 events that got created because all the downstream crap alerted to, 
let me tell you, how does that look when you on your um on your um what do you call that metric? Um, time to close, right? Uh, mean time to re resolve. Like, how does that take your mean time to resolve? Right? It, it it dramatically collapses it because instead of me going and and, and investigating each one of these downstream um, issues, I know exactly which switch felt. I can send somebody to that space. They can verify it's got power, reboot it, et cetera, right? Like we go right to the source of the, the, right to the point instead of having to do a whole lot of investigation before we get to the point. Like this is stuff that should be at this point one-on-one. Like anyone who has an enterprise with any kind of alerting, monitoring, what have you, if they're not tying in the service now, right now, and they're leaving value on the table. That's just what it comes down to. So again, think about how does the work start? And can we get a system to detect that work should start? And if we can do that, we eliminate the need for somebody to go and sit down at a computer and pull up the service portal and get to the right form and answer the right questions so that we can hopefully get it to the right team. Think about how much time savings you get if you could just have the system tell you that this is needed. Yeah, absolutely. I okay. I'm telling you, man. The next thing I want to talk about is HR events. Ooh. So in the same way, the systems can tell us about, uh, it's typically around break fix and capacity, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm almost at capacity or I'm down, help me. There's tons of events inside an organization from a, from a human work perspective that can trigger work. Things like new hires, terminations, moves. Uh, what do you call it when you got to like true up your benefits? benefits, sign up and renewal, that kind of stuff, Yeah, taking time off. But it's all stuff that can be triggered on data. So not everybody starts their, hey, we want to hire new someone new. Not everybody starts that in service now. Usually there's some other like HR recruiting system ahead of that. Sure. But why wait for somebody to fill out the HR request in service now, if that's the case? Why not in our, in this other system? Oh, it just appears that we have a person, right? A new person. Have an integration, talk to ServiceNow, right? The, the HR event ground. itself should be the catalyst that starts the request, not something happened in HR. Hey, human being. Right. Please go to ServiceNow and sit down at the computer and go to the service portal and get the right form and fill it out correctly so that we might be able to start the new hire process. Oh my God, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like integrated onboarding, offboarding and, and transitions. That is also a holy grail. That is what everyone is pursuing and everyone really needs. Because again, you're right. Not everyone's doing HR inside of ServiceNow. Integrating those tools with ServiceNow so that when I flip a switch and turn a candidate to an um, employee, should send a packet over to ServiceNow that says, hey, we got a new user. So what we're we going to do, let's create that person in Active Directory. Let's create that person in ServiceNow. Let's start the provisioning process. What does this user get? Well, this new user has a title. Oh, great. He's got a title. So let's go ahead and take the title and figure out. Anyway, down the rabbit hole, we can go from yep. that thing. But it, we can't if we're not quantifying this as a catalyst, right? As, as something that's causing work. Because it is causing work. And that's the whole point, right, of of a catalyst, right? It's quantifying those things that cause that cause work so we can figure out how to get the most value out of whatever we're going to do with that yeah. work. You well, know? it just pull work out of the system. Like it yeah. just on, on every time we go down this catalog ca catalyst list, we'll probably be saying, you know, the old way is and tell a human to go sit in a chair and go to the computer and pull up service now and go to the service portal. It, it's absurd when you think about it. Quite so. So you have like these event management systems, all these technologies to tell us tech 
catalysts, but then you also have HR as like the event management system of humans in an organization. Yes. And there's all kinds of ways that that HR data, when it changes, shouldn't have to rely on a person to just jump in a chair and get to service now. Let's just find a way for service now to consume the catalyst. We got to set up an integration, whatever. Consume the catalyst, move from the catalyst. Email, in case you didn't know. <laughs> the poor man's integration. It's true though, but it is true, right? Look, it's a foundation of somewhere to start, right? And yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're not you know going to deep dive on integrations here, but let's let's be real, right? Like they're not always possible. Email is almost always possible. If you get to the point where you you're trying to integrate two different systems and and you don't have maybe that skill set to do rest, and the company won't give you the budget to get someone with the skill set to do rest, and you don't have the time to learn how to do rest, learn how to do email, right? Inbound action boom, done. Take that catalyst and put it to work. You know, from there, and this is, this is another one of, of my favorites, right? Detectable known errors, right? And so what I like about detectable known errors, I mean, it basically says we have a playbook for this thing. We know what happens when the email system throws an error 301. We know what happens when a website throws a cannot be found, you know, a specific website, maybe it's our you know, our internal uh, intranet page and it throws a 404, we know why it's happening, right? We ran out of memory or the cache disk filled up or whatever, right? Like mm -hmm. some something happened and we've got a playbook for it. So now we should be looking for that thing because again, it's a catalyst. It's going to create work for someone. We should be quantifying that as a catalyst, treating it like, like, uh, like work's going to be created from it and not just reacting to it and doing the thing after it happens, but waiting for it to happen. So when it does happen, right, we're on top of it automatically, you know, and we shouldn't be talking about, oh my God, you know, 404 on the internet, somebody busts out the knowledge base article and walk through it, right? It, it should be flagging an incident with the knowledge base article attached. Yeah. Um, you yes. know, and do you know what like drives me bananas about this? We've done it for change. We have so many like, I mean, it's still manual, but we have so many changes that are just like we've de-risked them. Yes. And they're just a formality. So it's just like, hey, go to the standard change catalog yep. and press the I want this one button. Right. And, and that's how fast it can go now. But when it comes to like incidents or other any other kind of tech task, there's this idea that it's got to come in and I've got to read a knowledge article to do something about it. Like why? We've, we're already pouring time and energy into AI use cases where it's like, okay, maybe we can get this to send to the right assignment group. And we're getting really good at that. But why can't we just kick off an entire like flow that's automated? Yes. Oh, we got the 301 error. Again, do you want to initiate the remediation automation? Right. Press the yes button. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. The 301 error has been remediated. Forget assignment. Let's figure out how to just go from catalyst to action. Absolutely right. So I know there's this thing that every incident is special. Not every incident is special. Let's just be real. Ideally, we don't want every incident to be special. We want the special ones to be special. We want the ones that are not special to be resolved as quickly as possible and go away. Mm -hmm. So the closer we get to this point of being able to take these detectable known errors, right, and really enrich them for the technician, if there is manual work to be done, if we haven't gotten to the step of automating it yet, at least enriching it so that that incidents created is assigned to the subject matter expert, that person has inside of that incident, the ability to actually resolve this really quickly. Like the closer we get to that, the more value we're returning to the business. And honestly, the more value we're returning to our employees, man, because nobody want to do that. Like nobody wants to do the boring crap. 
that's why there's so many errors on doing the boring crap because nobody wants to do it. So let's 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 abstract all of that away. Right. Let's take all of those boring catalysts. Let's put them in a box. Right. Let's wrap a bow around them and let's be done with them, you know, through the system. So they still get resolved. Right. We can't just make them disappear. But then let's let people focus on the on the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. The next catalyst I want to talk about is it's going back down the scale in terms of primitive catalysts, but it's worth talking about separately. And that's non-customer manual entry. Someone on the inside is entering this on our, on somebody else's behalf. And the reason I want to talk about this at all as a separate thing from the customer manual entry is that I think ServiceNow is really starting to tune into the fact that Work has to start with something, but we don't always know what that something is. Good point. So we have that, like, I mean, we, we already know this with like generic service requests, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, I have a generic service request. Help me. My super critical t- system is down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it's not even an incident or generic service request. I'd like to upgrade my Epic at this hospital. Okay, great. That's a multi-million dollar project and a generic service request. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of churn where things are vague at the start. And so the proper workflows don't get initialized. It's like an anti-catalyst. I know I have to get the work in somehow, but but the entry of the work doesn't immediately start the right flow. And thus the catalyst is a failed catalyst. Does that make any sense? Man, that makes a whole lot of sense. And it's a whole is a huge marketing case for AI for AI, right? Like to be able to run against all of this generic stuff, these mm-hmm. generic catalyst inputs that we have, you know, and farm them so we can expose the cases that should go in a different direction. So what I'm thinking about here is just when it's not a customer typing a bunch of stuff or saying a bunch of stuff that the AI could analyze, this is more like an agent typing a bunch of stuff in. And maybe the AI is like the Microsoft Clippy. Like it looks like you're entering a ticket for a use case we know about, or it looks like you're trying to do a new hire request, or it looks like you're like wherever you are. Yeah. It tells you, oh, you're in the wrong. Like you need to get to this form or this whatever. I'm really hoping that the universal task type that they that they came out well, I'm not sure if it came out in Paris or Quebec. It's got a little bit more spotlight in Quebec though. Truth be told, I don't know a ton about it, but I'm really hoping that this is a start. That plus the workspace, agent workspace, really makes this a lot easier. So I start on something, right? I start on some interface, but then I can end up wherever I need to be on an HR request, on a catalog item, on an incident, on a problem, on a demand. Yeah. I mean, you know what I, mean? So I do know what you mean. And it's, yeah. right, so this is, I don't know if I call it incident deflection because you're not necessarily deflecting work. It's just solving the anti-catalyst problem. It's not a proper yeah. catalyst if it can't start the right flow. If it can't start the right flow, right? And I, I think there are ways to, to, to do this already. I mean, especially when I think about, you know, the, um, the type of his search that's been available for a while, you know, on, on the short description field, right? If you are mining that data, you know, especially, I mean, not only in relation to the work or the catalyst that's present on the screen, but if you're mining that data and reporting on it and mm-hmm. and digging for insight on it after that work has been done, you should be able to evolve that into a process to do exactly what you're saying. Expose the, the right directed catalyst in this situation so that as you're typing it, it's like, no, you can't do your Epic install through this mm-hmm. generic uh, service request, but there is a request, a new project that pops up as you're, you know, as you're typing, go ahead and go there. Yeah. All right. Here's with the next one, Corey. So integrations, 
that generate tickets of some sort is a huge catalyst for work too. Like we're talking about, you know, systems that are connected to each other. There's always a payload going back and forth between them. Sometimes that payload is handled successfully and things happen and it's already been accounted for. That's a catalyst of a sort, right? We've already planned out that process. So we know when we get a packet A, you know, then work happens B. There's also the integrations that send data over. And sometimes we didn't account for that necess- that, ne- that packet necessarily, right? We were expecting data to come through, but we, didn't nece- we don't necessarily know what to do with it. You know, so that's also a catalyst of a different sort, right? That's going to kick off like some sort of manual or simplified manual process where somebody's going to need to look into that, right? And again, like, you know, I, I like coming back to like the, the digging for insight, the digging for insight theme here, because these things are going to eventually lead to a ticket somewhere in your system that's that's going to be stored. And if we're not looking at those tickets and mining that insight out of them, you know, we're going to continue to get an integration that's sending over work, right, a catalyst. And we're going to continue to get that information um, sent over and we're going to continue to do the same thing but we're not going to know why or how or to the extent that it's impacting us. When you think about it, that's just the automated integration uh, perspective here, right? Like something like an event management system. But there's also the the perspective here where we're actually expecting a ticket. We're expecting a, a some sort of communication from a different system. Could be an HR system that starts um, HR onboarding for one, you know, for one example. Could also be just an incident that's outside of the scope of what ServiceNow is, is managing directly, right? So maybe a Jira bug mm-hmm. or something like that, or defect that then pushes over to ServiceNow. And then maybe your DevOps team now engages with it over in the ServiceNow side instead of the, the Jira side. Yeah. Or maybe you're, um, maybe you're a service provider and that's how your customers get the data to you is via an integration and not somebody sitting in a seat and typing in a form. Absolutely. Right. Could be that as well. And there, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that the integration can generate a ticket, right? From an expected ticket to an unexpected ticket, right? And those are catalysts for work. So we always have to think about those in the, in the when we're starting to build in our processes as this is the potential to start work. So let's account for it. Let's build that process out. Let's make it transparent. Let's, you know, try to walk it as far down that maturity line that we can, that we can get, right? So that we're starting off by returning some value to the, to the business that wasn't there ex- expectedly. I, I think if anyone here, like, and, and I don't think there's too many people who are listening to our podcast that don't use ServiceNow, but there are some, I know you're out there. If you're using ServiceNow, right? Like man, manual entry, you should probably not be doing too much of it at this point, right? Like the platform has so many tools to, to, um, to prevent the necessity of manual entry that you should at least be doing simplified manual entry right now. And so when I, when I think about Catalyst and how they create work for not only the the enterprise, but also the folks who are managing an instance, right? I think about ensuring that everything we're doing is starting at at least that second rung, that simplified manual entry, that enriched catalyst, where we are taking the things that we know and adding it to the stuff that we don't know. So at least we're starting off a little bit beyond the starting line. All right. The next catalyst I want to talk about is workflows themselves. And I want to make a few points here. But workflows can start other workflows. And the simplest example is think about all the things you used to use order guide for. You might have had pre-existing workflows, but then order guide brings them together. And now with this process flow designer is going to be even more of that, where you have a process flow defined that may trigger distinct workflows within that. Right. 
So that should be obvious is that the workflow can be a catalyst for other pieces of work or other flows of work. But I want you to pay attention to this because this was an aha moment for me when I went through my first re-architecture was how many teams were actually working on the same thing, <laughs> right? But they were just a different life cycle of the thing. Yeah. And each time the customer was expected to initiate that next phase of the thing. Right. And so it would be like this three-stage process and team one would be like, okay, we're done. And the customer like, great, I got what I want. Oh, shoot. No, I don't. How come I don't have what I want? Oh, you got to go to team two and make a request with them. Okay, I make a request to team two. Okay, we're done. Great, I got what I want. No, sorry, you don't have what you want. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like going, oh, and like to some extent, very primitive onboarding and offboarding applications are exactly like this. Absolutely. But I found it was happening a lot more than just in onboarding and offboarding. So pay attention to the people who are coming to you with catalog items. You know, use your instincts and intuition to figure out, do these all sound like they're part of the same process? And then it's kind of like starting in the middle. Go find a catalyst so you can merge all these processes into like a single catalyst flow. So now your customer doesn't have to initiate three different workflows. Your customer or the catalyst itself, we hired somebody, right? The catalyst generates the work, all of it, not three different midpoint catalysts. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you you said something really interesting right there, uh, Duke. Finding all the catalysts that correspond to the work, right? So they could be grouped together. I think that is brilliant. And something that is not often thought about. And, and heck, I mean, it, it took us, you know, a, a few minutes into the episode, quite a few minutes into the episode before it actually got brought up. That just because a catalyst causes work, it doesn't mean that there's a singular ca- catalyst to that process. There, there could be multiple catalysts along the line of this process that, that ultimately at some point in, in the process play a part. You know, I, I, think it's, I think it's worth mentioning, right, that, you know, we should be on the lookout for those things, too. So that we're not getting a third of the way down the, um, the process hole and, and figuring out, oh, well, there's also an email that needs to happen here. Or there was an integration that's supposed to kick over some data that we needed here and no one accounted for it. And it's important to know all the steps in which work is being generated, right? And, and all the steps in which we're seeing a catalyst come into play so that we can model for it and be prepared for it. Yeah. But find that first one, you know, and it's not... Yeah. it. It, the paradox is life doesn't work that way half the time. Like sometimes <laughs> you have the sometimes you have the advantage of saying, okay, I know how this starts. Let's build from there. Sometimes, like in the case of this rearchitecture, you got three different workflows that pre-exist, but nobody thought about how it actually starts. Right. So it was somebody starting three different things to satisfy three different execution teams, but not nobody was trying to satisfy where that itch originated from. The customer needs one thing of three parts. Yeah, the silos, man. Like, yeah, like the and they're and they're so That's you right. know they're so they're they're so present in in enterprise too, right? So mm-hmm. you know if you can knock those down and you can get a clearer picture, like I think that definitely helps you figure out a little bit easier where that catalyst starts and what actually initiates this work and how, like you said, how all of these processes work together and that they're not just individual uh, processes right. but really one of a larger effort. Big thanks to our channel sponsor, Bootstrap by DotWalk.io. It's the best thing that's ever happened to ServiceNow ATF. Populate your ATF use cases automatically and take a ton of work out of an ATF implementation. Thanks so much for that. Thanks, guys. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. As always, Duke, it's been great. Um, I'll see you next time.
Like, share, and rate, folks. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.